You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is sponsored by listeners like you. If you want to become a supporter of the show, head over to patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Legends of Runeterra. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 1, our very first full episode focusing on Legends of Runeterra, the new card game from Riot. I'm one of your hosts, Mark, from outside, or I guess I should start calling myself The Lift because that's that's what I'm now using as my tag. I'm your host, The Lift, from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight, I have my faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, Dead Broke Nerd. How are you doing tonight for the second time I've asked that? Yeah, this is the second time, and my enthusiasm has not faded one ounce. Um, I guess enthusiasm can be measured in ounces or maybe grams, pounds. Doesn't matter, because I got a lot of it. I've been really into <laughs> Legends of Runeterra. Uh, and, and, like, the way I know that is when I'm tired at night, uh, and I think, oh, man, I've got a, a, a weekly quest or a daily quest. I should really knock that out. If I actually get up and do that, I know I'm hooked because sure. <laughs> most of the time my uh, desire for sleep outweighs finishing a daily. Uh, but but not in the last week. Uh, I'm they got me hooked by and sinker with this one. I'm just really digging it. So I am. I've been looking forward to recording this for the last like four or five days because I have so many thoughts on this game almost all of them good and uh really it's just so different from other things i've played that i'm just i'm just eating it up yeah you know how i know that i'm actually soaked about this stoked about this game is i wake up in the morning i come downstairs i have a routine i wake up i brush my teeth i take a shower i come downstairs i put the dog out i start the the pot of coffee i check what my daily quest is before the pot of coffee's done <laughs> what my daily quest is is pre-coffee in my daily routine right now i know that that means and, and i have to be careful right because like with school and family and life and work i can't just be jumping on this thing at 6 a.m and not getting off until nine right i need <laughs> i need to do all of my life stuff so I actually have to be careful that all I do is I check out the daily quest. This morning I was too tempted, played two AI games. I don't I don't know if that's I think it's still okay to be playing against AI. I, I've been playing some AI. Just to get the quest know? done, right? Because yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, for sure. Done in, in AI, because I had to win two games at Demacia. And uh I don't have a lot of those cards. So yeah. um <laughs> really just played a shadow house deck i did the same thing i was just like all right i have to play 15 uh demacia creatures all right time to stuff a deck full of 30 demacia creatures don't care what it looks like and then click the ai button and then go lose to elise in ai um so Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah that's that's rough bud yeah that happened to me today so uh, and i was like this deck is terrible <laughs> <laughs> and then it won after that but uh but yeah so definitely been really digging legends of runeterra legends of runeterra is a card game like i said before it's in league of legends so the league of legends universe it's made by riot as a game publisher um and it is kind of the newest it's definitely the newest card game on the scene i would adventure to say it is 
the first card game that I think actually stands a chance to rival Blizzard's card game, which is Hearthstone. Now, of course, any Emma game comes out in beta when it's not on mobile, who knows? But um, it's been the first one that I think just because of the intellectual property and the publisher that's behind it has the money and the audience to, it's the first one to, to really give it a run for its money and steal part of the audience away from Hearthstone in a, in a maybe a significant way. Um, I, I mean, we can certainly talk about that, but DBN, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of like your week in Legends of Runeterra, your first week in Legends of Runeterra. Um, we're going to be talking about decks you know, specifically in a little bit, but just curious about kind of like, what were your first impressions? You had not played in the closed betas. So you jumped in, I think the day early because you had pre-registered, but yeah. I'm curious to know kind of like, what was your first experience? Cause you were kind of skeptical of this game. You weren't real sure. Yeah, no. Um, well, I mean, it's partially stemmed from the Dota two league of legends rivalry, you know, uh, I mean, I've played I've I've played a little bit of League of Legends, but only enough to know that I prefer Dota Two. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys, you can all leave the podcast now. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was skeptical, also in part because I was worried it was going to be too simplistic. Um, a temptation that a company trying to compete with Hearthstone might consider. Um, I was also I immediately noted its similarities to Magic, a game I am on the record as not being particularly fond of. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was very skeptical in that regard as well. Um, and the champions being these things that like level up, I was worried we we're going to like massively warp um, the power levels of things. And I still might think that, but i i enjoy them doing their little animations more than i'm worried about it as of yet the champions remain fun and not a concern to me but you never know how that will shake up i'm still not i'm still on the fence that's one of the few things i'm still kind of have reservations about uh but overall the gameplay is exciting um i will say i pressed the uh you know pass button quite a lot <laughs> uh there's a lot of clicking the next button but yes, i think overall overall i my expectations were wildly surpassed um and i've even started to get a little bit of faction loyalty which is fun and i don't know if anyone else is i don't know if this game is intended to be that way but all my years playing um legend of the five rings has ingrained in me this idea of pick a faction and be loyal uh, and so I've already started building into one of the factions. So we can talk about that later. But uh, that's basically it. I start off just doing the tutorials. And the tutorials were actually pretty good at kind of getting me through the pace of the game. Although I will say they were maybe a little too handholdy by the end. Yeah, they um, were a little handholdy. I wished the last like four or five that you did would have just been play a game with this mechanic laden you know, win a game with this mechanic laden uh, uh, deck, you know, instead of here, basically it was kind of like a blend of puzzles and click what we tell you to click, you know? And it's like, a I can click, click what you tell me to click. Yeah, a lot of I click can... what I tell you to click. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's not always my favorite way to do tutorials. I think they can definitely improve that, but it is beta, so whatever. Uh, and then I just, I looked at a couple deck lists, picked one that seemed interesting and just started making the deck 
and playing. I played a lot of AI early on with the starter decks just to see which faction I seemed to like. And I, it, it, I, the one I had sort of targeted just looking at things before the game dropped ended up being my favorite. So good job, me. Wait. Although I haven't explored Piltover and Brawn yet, and I can see myself enjoying the quirkiness of that too. So I can see myself really jumping into to that one. But oh, that's been, kind of I've, like the steampunky yeah techie sort of stuff okay yeah sure yeah i can see myself really enjoying that one too so so far really liking it i've grinded up like three levels not much unfortunately i haven't had much time to grind i've just been doing a lot of looking at the game just kind of going through it like taking my time with it which is honestly really drawing out this kind of honeymoon phase that a lot of times i have a tendency to kind of burn through really fast you know mm-hmm. play a hundred games in a couple days and just really get to that like because you know the competitive side of me wants to comprehend the game in its entirety uh and i'm just kind of taking my time with it now which has really been enjoyable do you do you think there's because i've had a very similar experience where i'm not like i i would typically be like okay what is now i've built a couple of decks that were on the meta report but i would typically be like okay what's the top meta deck and I'm just going to, you know, really try to play that, right? And and I'm, I'm not even really learning about the lore or care about the cards. I just want to know what the be- best deck is, put those cards in the deck and go play. Um, but what I found is I actually am kind of exploring that a little bit and enjoying it. Do you think that's because they've almost paced how quickly you can unlock cards in this game? Like by not giving you packs, they've limited you so that you can only buy so many wild cards per day or per week yeah well so i saw a lot of people very critical of that and i and i think you were you texted me and were kind of critical of it i think i was i was skeptical i'm still skeptical of to be honest with you i i think i think it's worth trying is where i'm landing on this uh because here's what it is and i figured this out on my own which i'm proud of i didn't read this anywhere until i then read people kind of saying the same thing to me i was like oh Good job. Pat myself on the back. Uh, I kind of felt like I figured this out correctly. What all it is, is that whenever you get a new game that drops, whatever game it is, it doesn't have to be a card game. It could be anything. You have those people that dump their entire savings account into the game, unlock absolutely everything. And because the game hasn't been out, they are thrashing people with blinged out decks on day one at rank. I don't know how the ranks work. I don't understand it. Rank bottom. At the the bottom rank. Rank bottom. Yeah, and you've got people trying out starter decks, getting thrashed by all these legendaries or epics or whatever. Uh, and it what it does, not fairly, I'll add, but what it does is it kind of incites negative feedback around the game from players who aren't discerning enough or experienced enough with the genre to understand why they got thrashed at the bottom of the rank why they're not having fun, and it's because there's a disparity between them, the free-to-play player, uh, and their opponent, the whale, uh, whose card pool has allowed them to massively overperform at that level until a couple months into the game, that free-to-play player won't match up with them. Um, and so yeah. what what I think they're trying to do is say, okay, whales, you can have some stuff, but you're just going to have to pace yourself because we don't want to generate that negative press. We want people to be able to experience the game and feel like they have a shot 
even in the first, you know, just in the first week or two. And eventually if more people come in later, that's fine. And you know, it'll give you a chance to let your bling dot decks move you up the ladder. Even if you're not a good player. Um, I don't know. The thing is all it did was change what people were pissy about to not being able to buy things. And I suppose that's better than, you know, the larger number of free to play players being angry. But instead, you had a lot of either content creators, streamers, competitive players being like, how am I supposed to figure out this game for a tournament or figure out this game, you know, for my stream or channel or whatever, and really start producing that high tier content for somebody who's going to consume it looking for those top meta decks if I can't get all the cards. Um, And so I saw a lot of that from some of my friends and I was like, I get it, but I don't happen to agree i think it's a worthwhile thing to try because you don't see any other games do it normally other games would be like yes dump all the money in we'll take it <laughs> so i i'm enjoying the thought experiment of it and we'll see how it pans out in the next couple of weeks yeah and, and let's i mean i do get that a little bit right if i'm a content creator and i want to be able to make youtube videos on a handful of different decks i really can only do that on maybe two decks right now um but i well, we'll get into this in a little bit because I think that they, they've just dumped an insane amount of stuff for you for free, which is just crazy. Like, I've barely begun the grind, and I feel like I'm going to have a complete collection before this game comes out of beta, like, without a problem. Um, but it, just just by, just by playing it, I don't even need to spend money on the game. Uh, I do understand a little bit of the feeling of, like, someone who was, like, really wanting to dive into content creation, but I think... In that scenario, like you have to remember, yeah, we're doing content creation too. There's only a couple of decks that I have, but that's the same exact case for every other person in the world. It's not like your listeners or the people who are consuming content have more have access to more cards than you do. Like it's the same. We we all have a limit on how much we could buy, and without having a pack system in this game which is unique. This will be the first card game I've ever played that doesn't have a pack system. I, Which is good I, for, and for my money. I, I, ha, I am notorious for going the full distribution number before pulling a legendary. So it is. I am notorious <laughs> in Hearthstone for going 40 packs deep or at least 30 to, 30 to 40 packs deep before pulling a legendary every single time. <laughs> Well, I, I've never... So the packs not being here is a blessing. It's weird, though. It's a weird feeling. Um, it's a weird feeling in this game. So, okay, so my first impressions were, were pretty much all positive, honestly. Um, I loved it. I love the heroes. Um, now, I did play in closed beta, so I sort of had that opportunity. I think I'm like... Uh, I don't think you start off in like iron rank, and then I think it's iron, bronze, silver, gold platinum diamond and then masters is that is that might that might be it like that's the top but um the the ranked seasons are longer than any other card game that i've played as well because all of the digital card games have like a one month season these seasons i believe are going to be longer than that i don't know that they've really told us how long they are yet but they're going to be longer um so you have longer to to do that grind um but i've just really enjoyed playing I, i i had a deck from day one that was kind of viable i threw 20 bucks at the game wasn't even able to spend all of that on and stuff that wasn't cosmetics um bought all the cards that i was capable of buying on day one um dove in made a couple of decks with some cards that i liked and have really just 
had a ton of fun with this game. Love the mechanics. I do agree. You click the bat pass button a lot. A lot. Yeah, I found out I found out the space bar can do that too, and that's been saving me a lot of uh Clicks. scrolling around on the well, really it's just moving your mouse from your hand to the button. You know, and I know that's such a dumb thing to be critical about. Uh, but the you know the amount of times every time a spell's played, are you sure you want to complete that? Yes. Anytime you assign attack, attack. Every time you assign defenders, defend. Um, and so just learning that the space bar can do that too, that was awesome. Uh, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. There's that. so there's so many little things. I actually before I forget because I know I was I knew I was going to forget this. Uh, there's all these little things that I really love about the game that are minor. Uh, so for instance, the space bar passing you know anytime it would pass or attack or whatever it'll confirm that same thing but what's cool too is you can um uh scoop all the characters yes. and put them onto attack and once there's an attack on the board whether it's an attack or a defense doesn't matter you can hover over the little gem on the left side in the middle and it'll show you the results of the fight as everything stands now yes it'll show you how much i mean so so you can instead of doing all that math in your head you can look at the board to do it, which as somebody who in Elder Scrolls Legends would perpetually be adding things up as the timer's ticking down and then be like, oh crap, I, now I have to play all the cards and go through the animation. Ah, And then time runs out and then I, I lose because I didn't finish my animations even though I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Now I don't have to do that. I can just hover over the little gem. It'll be so amazingly helpful when I remember to do it. Yeah, the little gem is nice. I love the scoop feature. I oh, think yeah. the scoop feature is just fun to do, just to be honest. Yes, like, it's therapeutic. <laughs> it's just fun to do. Now, I have made mistakes because of the scoop feature, and I've scooped something I didn't want to scoop, and then I hit attack before I noticed that, you know, my, my what is it, the shepherd that gives my Ethereum or It's going to even be more fun to listen to me pronounce words. Um, the whatever oh, yeah. it is, the, the, that, that thing, the things that die at the end of turn. Anyway, um, the one ephemerals. I've, ephemerals. I've attacked with my shepherds a couple of times. Didn't mean to and lost them. Um, you know, rookie mistake. But I love the scoop thing, and you, I didn't realize that about the space bar. That's definitely good to know. One of my huge pet peeves about the game in closed beta was that if you had nothing left that you could do, it clicked pass for you automatically, and I hated that i hated oh, it I, yeah i don't like it um and i hated that specifically because it was like i don't want my opponent to know i had nothing left that i could do because that eliminates yeah. a bunch of stuff if i'm holding a handful of six cost cards and it comes to five mana and i automatically pass my opponent just knows i'm not waiting to do anything against them i legitimately have nothing that costs five or less I was like, oh, no. So I noticed they, they have an option, which they may have had in closed beta, and I just never looked for it or found it because oh. I only got to play for a couple of days. But you can turn that off. Where is that? that is, uh, that's been driving me nuts. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, oh, it's just in general. It's the only option in general. So you click the gears in the top right-hand corner. There oh, enable auto pass. General, okay. Whew. Just get rid of auto pass right now. That was on my the worst. <laughs> That was on my sticky note here uh, to bring up is that I don't like that feature for exactly why you said it, which is I don't want to give my opponent any information I don't have to give them. Uh, and I, yeah, okay. Woo! Yeah, so if you're Good playing call. casually at some point, you know, 
on your phone and you're just playing casual games and you don't care and maybe that's all that you do just you just like the characters from league of legends and you play against ai most of the time you know when you're going to the bathroom or something fine like auto pass is fine for you who cares but if you yeah. want to be even remotely competitive in this game get rid of auto pass the first as soon as i see that my opponent has auto pass enabled i'm like oh my gosh i get so much you pay attention you start paying attention you're oh, like oh yeah. they had they had two mana left uh and they got auto passed that means they don't have a lot like half the combat tricks that exist in the game so far yeah. like okay great you know they only have big combat tricks and the next turn you can basically suss out okay they drew exactly one card they played a creature they have two mana left odds are they literally have nothing they can play to break up my attack and you can play differently like yeah 100 percent. and that's why i really hate that it exists and now yes. I found out it doesn't, and that is thrilling. That was one of my few critiques, and now I don't have to bring it up. I mean, I guess I well, just sort of did. We but talked about it anyway. We did. We brought it up. I, you know, when I start, first started playing this game, I, and I still, after playing it for the first weekend, wasn't really sure how I felt about heroes. Um, like UDBN, I was like a little like skeptical of it. I was like, ah, man, yeah. I got to level up every single... Here's what I found. Usually, if you get into a point where you are leveling up your hero, you probably won. Um, it's like, yeah, sort not of. With, not with every single one of them. But yeah. you can come back if your opponent levels up their hero. But you really, in most situations, I have either my heroes, I've won the game and none of my heroes leveled up. Or I've beat my opponent and none of their heroes leveled up. That's been pretty common. Um, at least for well, me so far. Yeah, I think it depends very drastically on what hero it is so far. Champion. They're called champions, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, I think that, yeah, you're right. They're called champions. Yeah, yeah. Dota's heroes, League is champions. I don't um, even play Dota. Didn't even know that. Yep, Dota's is heroes, uh, and then, yeah, League is champions, just to, so just to be different. Classic League. Uh... <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned some faction loyalty. I do think that faction loyalty dissolves the larger your collection gets in card games. Just yeah, it does. just naturally. But one of the funnest things about starting out in a new card game is faction loyalty. And I have one too, so I'm curious, what's your what's your faction loyalty right now? What have you been drawn to? Oh dude, I got a I well, I, ch I tried out all the stuff. Um so I kind of before it launched, I started looking at what the different factions were, and I actually watched a really useful video by Charmer. Uh, you guys can check out Charmer. Great guy. Uh, produces content for all sorts of things. I've casted with him and, and worked with him on a few projects. So really cool dude. Much bigger content creator than I am. But uh, he put out a video uh, that sort of explained what each of the factions do and like what their kind of shtick is. Um, and so I, I watched that video just to kind of get an idea of where I wanted to start. Um, and uh, the two that I was drawn to based on their theme uh, was... Um, Piltover and Brawn. I, am I saying that right? Sure. That's the that's the steampunky one. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you don't sound too certain about that either. Sure. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, you're saying it right. So let's just really quickly. Okay, the Piltover, oh, do we want to go through them? Well, and Zon. Let's just real quickly. Zon, not Brawn. Zon. Zon. Okay. Let's. Real so I, I definitely wasn't. Just highlight right. the four the four champions in it. So Piltover and Zon, Timo, Ezreal, Jinx, and Hammerdinger sure those are the um, four there's timo which drops the poison puff caps ezreal which throws and slings around yeah. stuff 
Jinx, which is the one that you want to have your hand at before and get some super mega death rockets, and Hemmerdinger, which when you cast spells is going to summon uh, turrets onto the battlefield. Oh so my! Just wanted to give real quickly kind of what the champions are. Right. For that okay. Patch. Well, you can tell by my confusion at the things that you were saying that that's not the one I settled on, uh, but it was yes. the one I was interested in. Uh, I looked at, uh, I guess we'll just go through it this way. I looked at Demacia uh, and was immediately just put off by it. Um, I don't like Paladin stuff. Just seems super boring to me. So, oh, cool. Knights in shining armor. Seen it before. Done that. Been there. Blech. Uh, clicked <laughs> over to Ionia. And Ionia was neat because... Um, I normally really enjoy like, uh, Eastern culture aesthetics. Um, but something about this felt a little too, from just from an aesthetic standpoint, I was a little put off by it. It's like a little um, too pushed. More like it's not, it didn't commit enough. And it's like this weird blend of, you know, uh, like Japanese influence and, but without you know, having enough, I don't know, respect for it. Uh, if that yeah, that's what makes I'm talking sense. About. Yeah, it's like pushed a little much. It's like, yeah, we have this samurai. We gave him this enormous metal shoulder. <laughs> right. Well, it, yeah. And then like I'm looking specifically at this card, Emerald Awakener. And I'm just like, I can see that this is vaguely Japanese influenced. And yet it's just so excessive. And I don't know. I, I was I was kind of put off by the visuals of it. And then, like, so just like by, for example, looking at Zed here, let's take a look at Zed. If if Ionia is this, and I don't know anything about the lore, guys, so maybe it's not, but it seems like all, a lot of the other cards are sort of, you know, this Middle Eastern aesthetic. And yet he's got this, like, like westernized knight mask with, like, the breathing holes in it. I have a history degree, guys, but it ain't medieval history, so don't, don't look at me like that. I can see you <laughs> yeah, looking, you're looking at, me at like us. that. I know what you uh, mean. Yeah, I can see. I, I see your faces right now. But he's got this weird mask on that doesn't look like it belongs. And it's just it's odd. The only thing that I was like, OK, Ionia is neat because uh, my uh, voiceover crush, Liam O'Brien, uh, voices Yasuo. Oh, uh, nice. And so I was like, oh, I kind of just want to play Yasuo. But then I looked at everything else. I was like, well, I don't really want to play anything else in here. Uh, yeah. So I skipped on Ionia. It's almost uh, like. I, it's almost like their version of of sort of like the Japanese culture. I, I don't know. Maybe this isn't a good comparison. I don't know if you have Moe's where you are. Do you have Moe's, the, the Mexican oh, the, the, Tex-Mex restaurant, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like their their version is is kind of like the, the like Moe's is to Mexican food as these are to Ionia, actual, yeah. Ionia is to actual like Japanese culture or folklore or, or, you know, feudal Japanese. It's almost like okay, it it's cool. Well, it's not that it's not cool. I like I like that it's cool, but I do understand like the. Did you really also, respect it? I also play Legend of the Five Rings, which is deeply steeped in uh, Japanese influence and has extremely. I mean, it's it's fantasy Japan, but it's got a lot of very realistic kind of outfits, and you know, a lot of the characters, especially in the clan I play, the faction I play. Uh, you know, a lot of really, you know, uh, kimonos and, you know, they they're when they have a samurai, they don't just have a katana. They also have a wakizashi as well, you know, and it's just like it's I so I already get the Japanese aesthetic, frankly, in a more enjoyable 
delivery system. So I don't. So Ionia just didn't seem interesting to me. Uh, okay, yeah, end, we'll, although, we'll move on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to. I'm you got me distracted. Good I'm job. Sorry. Shadow Isles was okay, and I did end up playing some Shadow Isles, um, if only because it's synergized. It seems like it's the strongest faction, and it synergizes really well with pretty much everything else. Um, so it just seemed wise from a game mechanic to kind of look at that. And then I looked at Freljord, the uh, Viking-y-looking one, and I thought I wasn't going to like it. But I really do like it, hmm. because it pairs really well with the faction I decided is my favorite, which, if you're doing the math, is Noxus. Yes. I love Noxus so far. I love that it's kind of this odd blend between, like, Roman, but also it's got, like, you know, or, you know, it's got, like, vampires in it, too, uh, and, like, you know, occasional bits of spider. It feels, and, and what, I, what I'm really getting from it that I love is that... Um, game of thrones the political influence you know within this empire uh which i i just love because you've got these like big warriors but then you've got like these seedier you know assassins you know or aristocrats you know yeah. uh kind of in the background kind of also gives like nilfgaard vibes if you played gwent uh which i really enjoy uh so so noxus became my thing it also has the game mechanic that i love uh because i liked it both in hearthstone with warrior uh and in elder scrolls legends with warrior but also with um Redoran, uh which is the self damage mechanic and i think this is a perfect game for self damage because there's at least at this point not quite so many board wipes that can really you know heavily punish you plus you can kind of have a little more agency about when your characters fight rather than your characters being attacked in a traditional board like hearthstone or elder scrolls legends where your opponents can choose to attack your characters you can choose to make your characters not block so if you're farming one of your guys for self damage pings and stuff like that you can just wait for them to attack until a more favorable moment and yeah they could get you know zapped by an enemy spell but from combat trading you don't get quite as exposed um as in other mechanics uh which made this really appealing to me and i've been having a, a blast playing noxus um so now that i've gone through all of the factions um and you know uh, thanks for coming to my ted talk uh your turn <laughs> well do you have a specific champion from so the four champs in noxus are draven oh, yeah. katarina vladimir and darius do you have a specific champion in that that you like? Uh, yeah, I mean, Vla I, have the, I have the one I've been playing the most, which is Vladimir. Uh, I think Vladimir is just a really interesting thing. If also mainly because Vladimir gets um, upgraded uh, while in your deck. Yes. Um, yeah, which is cool, really yeah. cool. It is really cool. And his ability is fairly, you know, straightforward. Um, but it also allows you to get a lot of really cool situations where you can kind of combo out, assembling a board and then attacking with said board uh, for six points of direct damage before anything even resolves. Um, it's just a really cool way of doing it. And then, of course, the fact that he self, you know, he pings your creatures as they go means you can pair it with some really cool effects like uh, the Crimson Arista. Oh, no, the Crimson Disciple. When it survives damage, it deals two to the Nexus. You've got other cards that, like, when they take damage, you know, blah, blah, blah happens. And it pairs really nicely with Freljord, which, when we get into the decks we build, spoiler alert, that's the one I end up doing the most with. 
and it just it just synergizes nicely, but it's good on its own. It has decent stats. It gets uh, regeneration, which is just seems very strong, uh, which is hilarious because of how stupid that same effect and mechanic is <laughs> in a game like in like a game like Tesla. So and Hearthstone even it's <laughs> and like, Hearthstone. It was yeah. always the bummer. Like when you randomly got it, you were like, oh, it's because of the and this is what I've been loving about this game overall. It's because of the way that combat equally reward equally but differently rewards the attacker and the defender and gives trade agency to the defender while giving attack timing advantage to the attacker because you can attack if you've assembled a board as soon as it clicks over to your turn you can send everyone in before your opponent can throw up defenses but on the flip side once you're attacking the defender chooses the trades honestly combat seems brilliant to me it is it is fun it's fun it's almost yeah it there's an element in which like combat in other games was just like okay just attack 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 attack. i know what i'm gonna do and sort of the puzzle was like okay how do i beat my opponent but there is like an ongoing constant (laughs) puzzle in this game that to be perfectly honest with you there are sometimes when i'm like I don't even feel like I can math this out. Like, just <laughs> that's just, what the that's what the gem is for. <laughs> just attack with everything and see what happens. You know? And I'm like, yeah, I've I'm like, I've done that once or twice. There's just they have a board full of stuff to defend with. <laughs> I have a board full of stuff. I have no idea what's going to happen. Three shark chariots are going to come out of nowhere. I I just <laughs> just attack, just attack. I don't even know what's going to go on. And and uh, and I've just been like, and that almost never serves me well. By the way, when yeah, you're the I, aggressor, you're giving the initiative to your opponent to choose the favorable trades, and then you just don't calculate ahead of time. It almost never ends good for you. But uh, I, I, I have to say, it. I think that the we were just praising like the scoop mechanic. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to get so many players into trouble like that are going to scoop everything. Ah, I'm a tag with everything. Scooping is fun. Let me just scoop, uh, <laughs> you know, and put all my creatures on the attack because I can just do it in one fell, one fell uh, swoop, one and, fell scoop. <laughs> and here's the thing. Ordering does actually matter in this. It like does. That's what exactly what I was getting on to the far left hand side. When you scoop, if you don't rearrange those to make it make sense, uh, yeah. You can really mess up your attack. Now, I will say this. Ordering in other card games has mattered more than it does in this. But ordering does matter in this. And you could. Well, I like Go ahead. I like that. It's not like I, I like exactly that, that ordering matters, but only sometimes uh, because it's not something you have to constantly micromanage. But it does mean that the keen eyed players are going to get micro advantages, sometimes macro advantages from those plays but it it's an extra level of depth you don't need uh to play the game at an okay level but you definitely need that's 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 what's going to separate players in the competitive scene you need these mechanics that are non-intuitive um so that those top players can really demonstrate that they actually are the top players that's something i look for in any card game these days is, is seeing are the mechanics in place such that the skilled players will will have a a greater than 50% win rate, you know, uh, against these other players. And A, there's not too much, you know, RNG involved. Uh, and, and But B, um, so that you don't have the situation where sometimes with Hearthstone, really, it's not so much the best players. I'm sorry uh, to all the Hearthstone competitive players. I probably just pissed off. I'm sure you're good at the game. Uh, but I'm sorry. There is much less to justify and much less to, or rather, 
is a lot harder to defend this idea of, oh, this player won the tournament, therefore he's the best player. Yes. Yeah. That there's there you can't say that with Hearthstone. There's way too much randomness. Um, but you know, I and I feel like even even Elder Scrolls Legends was starting to get there, and I had some pretty heavy criticisms, despite still loving the game and loving the competitive scene. But I think that had more to do the with the format protecting the competitive integrity than the game than some of the game mechanics that were involved, like you know, like the prophecy mechanic, for instance, which we're not here to talk about. But my point is, you need those layers. You need these competitive layers. Um, that aren't totally obvious or done for you in order for those top tier players to really show their stuff. And that's what, what thrills me about ordering mattering sometimes. Yeah. Well, I, here's the thing, right? I think that Hearthstone sort of coined that phrase, right? Easy to learn, but difficult to master. Um, and maybe that's not the exact phrase, but that was sort of the thing that went along with Hearthstone, right? Like anybody can pick this up and you can start playing it, but it is very difficult to master. And the more I played that game, the more I was like, easy to learn, hard to become lucky at. Um, easy to learn, uh, difficult to shutterwalk. Yeah, yeah. So I like I, but it was just the complexity never seemed hard. Every time I lost, I felt like I played pretty optimally there. If I didn't play like a hundred percent optimally, I played. 95% optimally and I still lost because of randomness. That's not the case in this game. This game is easy to pick up. They made a very accessible game, at least in the beta, very accessible game. Mm -hmm. But I do feel the mastery in this. I feel yeah. that this game is going to be very difficult to master. I genuinely feel like I will be learning about when it was right to take the initiative to attack, when I should have waited to attack, when I should have defended here, when I should, all of those little intricacies, I'm going to be learning that for a very long time. This game is yeah. not an easy game. Yeah, I, I think it's also one of those things that because it's so different from the other games we've played, and maybe you have a leg up having a magic background with the attacking, defending. Um, but uh, I will say one of the things that I appreciate about it, and I've played a little bit of magic, and, and again, like I said, I'm on the record being not a big fan of magic. Um, but the fact that you can only have um, six creatures on the board is something that I've been wrestling with on whether I love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. um, in, one, in a certain way, what I like about it is that only having six creatures on the board means you can take a defensive tack of not, a, of, of not pushing you know, the tempo um, and saying, well, my opponent can only ever have six creatures on the board. And yeah, they can get bigger, but you know, I, I can, if I can manage my blockers or stall them out or whatever, and I haven't played much control, you know, it can't get that much worse, which was the complaint about magic, which is when a, someone has an advantage, unless you're playing, you know, a very, you know, a, a refined control list, we'll say, um, when the opponent gets a creature advantage, and especially when they have a couple creatures that can just kind of bully you know, let's say a couple flying creatures that you don't have flying as an answer for. And we can talk about elusive in a minute. Which but, is interesting because um, that's the big problem in this game. Well, right. And I, that's one thing I questioned when I saw, you know, elusive. I was like, well, flying already is a super isolating mechanic and magic. Either you have answers or you don't. There's no way to have, you know, because one of the things that I think in card games you want is the ability to answer anything, but sometimes less optimally, right? Okay, I didn't include the tech choice that handles flying but I have other ways to answer it, right? Um, okay, I didn't hand, I didn't, I didn't put the tech choice in. I didn't put Withered Hand Cultists into my, um, you know, red aggro deck 
I don't know why you wouldn't, but I didn't. Um, and so I, I can't, I don't have that, you know, silver bullet against a hard removal spell deck. This is for the Tesla fans. If you're not a Tesla person, I'm uh, sorry. Um, but the point remains, but you can still handle it. Like you can still try to play optimally around it. But when you have a mechanic like flying, it gets a lot harder to have answers that are, are outside of the specific. Yes. Um, and so like, that's something that, that sort of concerns me, but uh, to finish my point about magic, um, when they start, when you say, okay, I can get no favorable trades here. All I can do is block. I can't ever flip the tempo. Your opponent is just going to keep playing creatures and eventually they'll have so many more creatures. And if you can never find that card that flips the tempo, you're stuck. And I have a, had a couple games here where my opponent's inability to summon more than six creatures gave me enough time to stabilize right yes uh-huh yeah i understand at that. the same time i despise having six creatures and being unable to manually remove them to put a different creature down like you can in elder scrolls legends now i understand that would probably break uh some of the last breath is that what it's called last yeah, gasp last breath death not- rattle uh, all these uh, games have it yeah i know i know what you're talking about last breath in this one it's called last last, breath. last okay last breath you know yeah that might make last breath a little bit stronger than it already is um but honestly i really wish i had the ability to say crap my board got clogged up by a stupid one one spider and i want to play uh vladimir i i have vladimir sitting in my hand spider please leave you know go away you you're dismissed uh you're you're released from my ranks uh your your service is done you're honorably discharged get the hell out of my row um i get that but what i have found is uh, hear hear me out i think that there's something interesting about that i don't know that it's good or bad i just think it's something new to consider because i've come to points before it was like actually if i let my opponent do this and i let him summon these creatures he's gonna have his board full of stuff that's worse than what's on my board I don't care because now guess what? You cannot play any more creatures this round. I feel yeah. okay with that. I'm okay with that now. And it's like, okay, you made a mistake. And I've had the situations where I've made the same mistake where I had a big creature in hand and I knew that I wanted to play it. And I threw down a sixth one because I thought for sure they're going to block something here and it will die. And then I'll be able to play my big boy at the end of the round. And then they didn't block or it blocked in such a way that they didn't kill anything. And then I was trapped and this was stuck in my hand. And I, w- I sort of had to pay the price for that. I actually have kind of thought, at first I really didn't like it because I was so used to Tesla being able to sacrifice something and put something new on the board. And I really yeah. liked that. And there were some times where you could win games that way. And I actually, I think I favor that way of doing things, but I don't think it's good or bad. I just think it's a different way of, of there's just another thing that you have to keep your mind on while you're playing. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm okay with it. Ultimately, I, I think I my it's just a different yeah it's it's different and so my perspective of well i loved it in tesla why isn't it here blah 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 it is kind of coloring my expectations for it um but it is something i did notice and felt like i wanted to bring up uh just because i have had frustrations with it but i'm sure it's something i'll adapt to and and you know who this is still beta down the road. They may decide that that's something they want to change it. None of this in my mind, none of this is permanent, that's you know, true. outside of our collections, um, which they said, they Hey, won't get rid of. no more resets and just collecting yeah. cards. 
Um, there was at some point during this episode where I, w- I think I was supposed to tell you my faction loyalty, right? Yes. Um, okay. Well, I happen to know it, but for the audience. Yeah, my faction loyalty um, has been Shadow Isles. Um, that is the one that I like pretty much. I really like Hecarim. So Shadow Isles features Elise, which is the spider chick. Um, Callista, which I don't care about very much, other than she's super freaking cool looking. I mean, I need to look at this. Oh, um, Callista's really cool looking. And then Thresh, um, which is also very cool looking. And honestly, Challenger is one of the cooler mechanics, in my opinion, that's in the game. Um, I think they did a really good job with Challenger. I think Thresh just, is cool. But I like just straight Hecarim. ripped off Phantom Assassin here. What, what is Callista looks Callista looks exactly like like literally exactly like Phantom Assassin from Dota 2. Oh, I don't like know. could not be and then we've got elise aka broodmother over here all right i see you league of legends <laughs> yeah well all right, the, all right. I, i've never Thresh called looks them the different. most creative they're just better marketing what? yeah maybe uh hekar hekarim 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 he's okay, probably got my it. favorite champion right now um i like some of the other champions i think there's some yeah he looks neat some cool ones out of all of the factions um shadow isles and iona are are two that i connected with i think the most maybe followed by Freljord. um i i just like viking stuff so i like Freljord. i like trindamir um now demacia <laughs> which originally i didn't like does have one really interesting card and that card is fiora which you are going to see a lot of because fiora has an alternate win condition so if you yeah. level up Fiora and then you finish her level up, you just win the game, um, which is like there are legitimate decks that are just built around that, just fully built around that. So um, that's something to be aware of. I think that Fiora is definitely a card that you're going to you're going to see a lot of because it's here. Here's what I like in each section, each like uh, region, they definitely have um sort of like different play styles you can do different things in each region which i appreciate i think they've done a pretty good job of that now not every region can do everything obviously shadow isles right. can is controlling more than any of the other ones um because well, you i do don't know Freljord has a lot of control that it's true but they have they have ruination and they have vengeance which are the two just direct removals sure um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like most of these factions can. I've actually had a good time removing things with a lot of these, you know, execute effects and stuff like that from uh, Noxus, you know, so running the Noxian guillotine, pretty effective. Uh, you know, uh, what is the what's the similarity like finish off from Tessel or execute from Hearthstone? Mm-hmm. You know, anything that's damaged, you kill it. But the cool thing about the guillotine is you can cast it a second time or as many times as you want. It's got the echo mechanic or whatever that was called in in, in uh hearth hearthstone um that is something to yeah. note about this game there's a tremendous amount of keywords to start with yeah but a lot of them are well okay if you were if you never played a, a ccg before that would i i both pity and envy you i envy your wide-eyed uh approach to the to it i wish i could get that fix you know, you, you, you know, when you've played card games as much as me, you're always chasing the dragon for that 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 new game that you feel like you've never played this before, and it's all it's a it's a whole new world. 
you know, and, uh, and, you know, every once in a while when I play a different, uh, <laughs> a different type of genre, I get that, that hit of, of dopamine where it's like, I've never done anything like this before. Uh, so I envy you. Uh, but at the same time, I also pity you if it's this game, because there, there is a lot of keywords that if you had played another CCG, you would understand and you wouldn't have to learn it. Uh, but because you haven't played a CCG, it's conf- it's an extra layer that it's going to make learning it just a bit harder. That's a criticism that I don't have because I don't suffer from that, but I can see being a a small barrier to entry and if and if that is the case i would just say you know don't let that dissuade you just go ahead fire up you know just learn your cards like that's one thing i tell anyone who's new to card games no matter what the card game is hey you know when you start you don't have to learn their cards just learn yours and if you just learn your cards and just know how your deck wants to play that's all you need to know for now you'll have fun you'll win enough games that it'll be okay and eventually you'll pick the rest up over time so I'm I'm looking through some of this when we're talking about keywords. I think here's what we should do. We should move on. But I think in a future episode, in an episode two or three, we should dig in deep to explaining um, the speed of spells, the burst, fast, and slow spells, and how that impacts the game. Because I think yeah. that's something going to be important to talk about. But let's move. I on. did see. I did see on that on that point though. I did see that Silverfuse made a video on exactly that. Um, so if you can't wait till next week. Uh, go check that out. Surfuse is an awesome content creator, a yeah. uh, friend of mine. So definitely check out her video. And uh, I'm pretty sure that she just released it like today or maybe yesterday on what the different speeds are. But it's still worth covering on the show. Yeah, I think it's worth I talking think. about. So let's talk. We each played a deck. I may not actually dive into mine. Maybe I'll save mine. But let's look at the deck that you built because I think that yours is creative. And I think a lot of people are playing something similar to what I was playing. <laughs> Um, well, I, I wouldn't say it's creative at all because I basically took it and slightly adapted it from from someone else uh, from uh, a list that Swim had in Tier 3. Uh, so it's not creative, but I will say it is extraordinarily enjoyable. So tell us a little bit about this deck. What factions are you playing? What champions are you playing? Because that's the big barrier to entry for a lot of people on these. And uh, and tell just tell us a little bit about what the goal is. Let's boogie. Right. So uh, this is called, uh, oh, I've titled it Bleed for Braum, uh, because for some reason I was fixating when I was building this deck, I kept thinking of, uh, I bleed for Cthun. Uh, and I couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about it for some reason. Uh, I, I'm, Whispers of the Old God was my favorite uh, Hearthstone set, but that's not relevant um if you're new to the show i go on tangents you're just gonna have to get used to it you're gonna endure uh yeah or better yet learn to love it uh (laughs) but yeah so this uses uh brahm uh who i have a lot of thoughts on which i'll go into in a minute um and vladimir right now i only have two copies of vladimir i do have three copies of brahm but i don't even know if i'd put a third copy of vladimir and i guess i would he's pretty good but uh, it is kind of a later game card. You don't want to see him too early. Uh, and then basically the idea is um, you're using a lot of combat tricks and buff effects uh, in order to ideally beef Brom out of control. The regeneration ability is very, very strong. Brom himself is exceptionally powerful, in my opinion, and I'll talk about why in a minute. 
but then you also have just a ton of synergies between Freljord, uh, which has a lot of uh, kind of Norse skies that when they get hurt, they get bigger. Uh, and then the Crimson uh, synergies from Noxus uh, that deal damage to things uh, for different effects. So you have like the Crimson Aristocrat, for instance, which I uh, have played. I play two copies and I might even try a third, uh, which it's a two mana two, two deal one to an ally and grant it plus two attack. Now that bonus is permanent. There are a couple buffs in here that only um, are for the round. So Elixir of Iron, for instance, is a one cost spell. It's a burst that gives an ally plus two defense for the round. But the core concept is you can do two things. You get Brahm into combat and you want to get him leveled up as soon as possible. And then you basically commit all your resources to protecting him if you can. Now, there are some things that can deal with that. Recall can bounce him whenever he gets close. Um, you have um, some of the more expensive cards that just straight wipe boards. But it's like for seven mana, hopefully you're building a board around Brahm while you're developing Brahm. Because the number one thing you can do for Brahm is give him an attack. The yes. downside of Braum is he has zero attack, but as soon as you start giving him attack, he gets nuts. And the thing about Braum is that it, maybe when you first start or if you're still new to the game, you might overlook, and I overlooked it once, and then somebody did to me, I said, this is amazing, I have to build a Braum deck, and then I just paired it with Noxus and looked for something that did that. Uh, Braum, he's got Challenger. One of, if not the most powerful keywords in the game, in my estimation, because it completely breaks up that you know combat parody that i was talking about that favors the defender because when you the attacker basically get to go back to playing hearthstone and choose who you're attacking uh shit gets crazy and brahm himself can benefit from pulling the creatures that can then deal damage to him but not enough to kill him uh forwarding him towards completing his uh level up and of course when he levels up um, he goes up to seven defense and whenever he survives damage, which remember we're running a bunch of cards that deal pings, you know, single points of damage, also known as pings. Uh, whenever he survives damage, you get a three, three Poro who is adorable and also wields a giant, uh, stone hammer that looks like Mjolnir, which is kind of awesome. Uh, <laughs> and basically from that point on, and he has an eye patch. Oh yeah, he's super cool. The the mighty Poro is basically like Odin Poro. Uh is pretty great. Uh-huh. Uh but basically from that point on, you just do things that ping things and and we're running some really cool cards. Scarthane Stefan, uh 3 mana 2 4 whenever he survives damage, he gets plus 3 attack plus 3 guys. So the first time he takes a single point of damage, he'll if he, if I ping him for whatever effect, he jumps up to a 5/3. Yep. Awesome. Uh, and then you have Scar Mother Vrenna as your six drop kind of finisher combo piece. Whenever she survives damage, gets plus three. But but this uh, this bad woman has got eight defense. Uh, so much easier to build around. But I found several games where the Scarthane Stefan at three just lives for the entire game, in part due to some of my choices that weren't in the original build. I've included things like Kindly Tavern Keeper to heal some creatures up. Uh, of course, we've got things like Take Heart, which is kind of the central aspect of this deck, if you ask me. One of the best cards to play on Braum, granting a damaged ally plus three, plus three. Which sticks, right? That oh, it go sticks. Away. Yeah, no, that does not go away. Uh, you have Bloodsworn Pledge, which gives two allies plus three defense. So as you're pinging these guys, let's say Scarthane, Scarthane Stefan, or um, Scar Mother uh, Vrenna, as you're pinging these, or even Braum, 
Um, they're getting damage, and then you're healing them. You're continually buffling their defense. You're getting them bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're just bullying your way through the rest of the game, in part due to the strength of Brom's challenger um, keyword to pull whatever you know whatever the worst option they would have to defend your other creatures is. You remove that by having forcing them to fight Brom, who's just going to heal. And you have a similar situation where as you get to the end of the game and you're looking to push that last little bit of lethal, uh, Vladimir starts revving up. You've event, you're, It's easy to level him up in the deck before you even draw him. And then all you start doing is getting extra pings. So imagine going into a battle where Vladimir pings your Scar Mother, pings your Scar Thane, uh, and then pings Braum. Oh, and by the way, now they're damaged, so you can go ahead and buff whichever one doesn't get defended by Take Heart. And... Oh, by the way, every time you attack with something, your opponent's ne uh, Nexus gets damaged. Vladimir is just the perfect kind of combo finisher piece that this deck really wants to see. I've been having tons and tons of fun, and I will tell you the thing that uh, made me better with this deck as I played was remembering that when your opponent targets your creatures uh, with a fast spell um, or a slow spell, not a burst, uh, at least as far as I understand the, the rules, yep. uh, when they, um, you have a chance to counter. So if your opponent plays a fast spell like, let's say, Blade's Edge, which deals one damage to anything, let's say they want, you know, your Braum just defended a guy with four attack and he's down to one health. Your opponent plays the Blade's Edge. You see it. The Blade's Edge is about to kill Braum. Before you let that happen, go ahead and throw out that Elixir of Iron. Buff that defense uh, and then that Blade's Edge won't finish him off. You Or you can just go ahead and preemptively, okay, they do that. Well, I guess that means I'm going to go ahead and play my Take Heart now. So you can kind of hold some of your buffs to be a way to effectively negate their tempo swings, which would be those perfectly timed out, uh, you know, damage sources. So like, um, you know, an avalanche or, or whatever. Oh, the avalanche is about to come down. Better play my blood sworn pledge to protect my board. And the longer you can keep your board around and keep snowballing it, obviously um, it just gets harder and harder and harder for them to get back into the game because the whole point of the deck is just keep buffing. It's so fun. The pings make this really, you know, flavorful and just these layers and layers of strategy. I, I can't, I don't, I'm not saying this is the strongest deck. It's clearly not, uh, but damn it. If it isn't really fun and creative and really rewards kind of thoughtful, you know, play with tons of different, you know, decision trees to go down as you get used to learning the deck. So I, I, I can't recommend this enough. I've been having such a great time with this Noxus and Freljord deck. Braum is awesome. And I, I honestly am thinking like Braum, I, I don't know enough about the other factions yet to make this claim really, but Braum seems like one of the strongest champions. He's very cost efficient. He has ex the extremely powerful challenger keyword. Um, and he's actually one that he's oddly very difficult to remove, especially if you tempo him out on three, because normally you're tempoing out a creature too. You won't have the, you know, mana left over to start trying to remove him. Imagine if you're forced to play that three cost culling strike, you know, and, and waste all your tempo. Remember this deck is mid range. You don't, Oh no, we lost a little bit of tempo. If my opponent's faster than me and my Braum gets killed by a culling strike or just by any, any spell based thing. And I, even, even if I can't protect it, right. That just tends to slow them down so much. Braum I have found is one of those cards that if, if you're playing an aggro deck, which is the other deck I've been playing and you see a Braum, you just, all the air goes out of your balloon. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are some ways to deal with Braum. And I will say this. I, I'll say Braum is a powerful champion. 
with one caveat, and that is that he's only powerful when you are playing other cards that synergize well with him. Yeah, he's a build around. If you're only playing him as a zero five that can evolve and maybe summon Propros, um, Poros. Poros. Yeah, that's definitely the way you say it, not the way I just said it. <laughs> definitely not. There's not two Ps in it, guys. Um, Poros. Um, it, uh, I would say that, like, he's... I found plenty of ways to get rid of him, right? But to be fair, like, I've been playing... The decks that I've been playing um, have run the, the one real specific guy from Shadow Isles that if the creature died this round, you can summon him and it kills the two weakest creatures, which targets the creatures with the lowest attack first. So I'm like, sure, go ahead and play Braum. You're going to kill something later, and I'm just going to slaughter him <laughs> with this. So I haven't had as big of a problem with him. Maybe I would have more if I was playing that Jinx Draven deck more that I have, the discard yeah. aggro deck, although it seems like spiders are swiftly becoming the better aggro. But this is this is a cool deck. I really like it, um, and it's something that I want to check out. I will say this. There are a lot of other card games that have tried to make self-harm work and done that poorly that have left yeah. them on the fringes as being a meme and really little more. This, it does seem like they've come into this making self-harm relatively viable from the very beginning. And maybe strong. I mean, it, there's always a weakness, but some of the stuff that they've been doing, they did with this to be able to, like, burst and, and protect your your creatures is what's intriguing to me. Right. Um, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, the inter the level of interaction makes removal a lot less powerful. And they gave you like the early game power spike with Braum and the late game power spike with Vladimir or the mid game power spike with Vladimir to let you wrap things up. I think that they did a good job putting cards out there that will make this viable and may make it viable into the future. And, and something else that's I don't know. Well, I guess no, it's not worth it because you're trying to actually take damage. You know, frostbite is a really powerful ability, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I can see it being a, you know, the thing is, there was a great article for Elder Scrolls Legends written by, I want to say Maddie Borch, uh, but it could have been someone else. Um, not this part isn't relevant, uh, the, the, who wrote it or whatever, but the point is, they wrote about deck building, um, and on synergy and anti synergy, and there are cards that fit your macro synergy but just that but might have anti synergy uh with specific cards right um and you know so for instance uh running you know in for elder scrolls legends sake running withered hand cultist while also running shadow shift that's anti synergy but when a card contributes to your game plan as opposed to your you know themes and your you know the interplay between your cards it's sometimes worth it, uh, and, and sometimes can, it's either it's a just in a bubble, a strong enough card, uh, or just a situation where it it is so good for your game plan that even though it has anti synergy with another card that's really good for your game plan, it is worth occasionally seeing that to increase the overall power in the situations where those two don't come into play at the same time. And I think that that is something to consider about frostbite here, where yes, frostbite may i haven't put it in here for exactly the reason you considered but that's something that this game is still at such an early stage i don't necessarily know if i if if maybe a couple really strong you know brittle steel seems very good by the way 
Uh, if putting a brittle steel in here helps secure my uh, aggro matchup enough uh, where the rest of my deck will carry it, and and even though it doesn't exactly synergize with Braum getting, you know, taking damage and leveling up, heck, that that's still worth it. I mean, if it contributes to my deck being more successful, even if it doesn't synergize with my cards in the specific it can still be very much worth it. And like I said, I'm far from an expert. I just started playing this game. I would say no one's an expert on this game. Uh, I don't even think anyone is close. Uh, and so the point is, you know, I, I always try to remind people not to be scared of a little anti-synergy if the cards that you're considering putting in are good in a bubble and they support your game plan. Sure, sure. Yeah, because you're looking at less at what synergizes and more is what is my overall way that I'm going to win this game. Exactly. Okay, so uh, I like the deck. Definitely check that out. I would say throw that up. We'll throw that deck code up in the Discord um, underneath of our Legends of Runeterra channel so that you can go and find a DBN's deck over there. I'll also try to throw up my Hecarim and Zed deck that I've been playing that maybe we will talk about next week depending on what i'm playing i do think do we have time dbn do you need to get rolling or is it okay for us to look at the meta for just a hot second well we could but i don't i don't personally see a point um lar either one of two things are going to happen and this just comes from my competitive experience the game is in such an early state that this will either wildly shift by next week or we'll be totally certain that it is the case next week. But right now, you know, if we talk about the meta report, we can talk about that it exists. I'm totally, I think we should. It's a great resource. But at the same time, by next week, things could have wildly shifted because that tends to happen whenever a, a new game releases, a new set drops, that the first month or two, nobody really knows what they're doing until somebody more inspired steps up and makes waves. Um, and usually those are players who don't have as big of a platform. So just because we're seeing uh, top performances and, and people with a platform are posting good results, it doesn't necessarily mean that that tier list is totally correct. Yeah, it's completely accurate. Um, yeah. So here's the thing. I think the only thing that's worth mentioning. So first off, you can go to the one that we're using Swim put out. So you can go to swim strim s t r so s w i m s t r i m dot com slash runeterra and you can see there he has a tier list um and has been updating it and I, I was actually listening to swim stream and realized like he was even saying like don't don't go look at my meta list right now like I I need to go change it like it, since yesterday it has changed right like. If yep. the meta is evolving right now very, very, very rapidly. So, like, even within, like, every... Like, this has changed since I looked at it this morning. There's a new Tier 1 deck that has evolved, which wasn't even on the list, which is Spider Aggro. And that wasn't super on there, but it's evolved because it's really good against what came out the day before, which is all of the elusive decks. So, the like, the top tier players, whatever that means, the people who've had the most time on their hands over the last uh, week um, at the top are playing a lot of elusive decks. So there's a couple of different decks out there that are popular for elusive. Um, they're both playing Ionia. One is playing Demacia. One's playing Freljord. 
Um, and those are sort of the things that are considered kind of the top that elusive might be a problem. If you're unfamiliar with what elusive is, it basically, if, if you have elusive, like you can only be blocked by creatures that have elusive. So it, it, it basically is like it splits the field into two different groups, people with elusive and people without elusive. Has typically been a problem in other games. Um, Magic the Gathering had flying, which we talked about earlier, which is very similar to this. If you have flying, you can block other creatures with flying. Eventually, they developed other cards that did not have flying, but could block flying, which I would expect and I hope that we see in this as well. Um, so, uh, but they did. So the elusive decks are very powerful right now, um, and they have been. And uh, spider decks are also very powerful right now. You can go and take a look at his list. But by the time you listen to this, probably the top tier decks will be different because that will be two days after we record it. Yeah. But it's important. I think it's Swim seems well, it's, to be it, putting out the only t- tier list right now. That I, I mean, yeah, that's the only one I've looked at, but I haven't actually dug into it. I mean, I feel like, let me just do a cursory look. Let's see if... Uh, Let's see. There's there's several different teams that do different games. I mean, you can kind of just click around. I think Team Era 2 is only does Gwent these days. I mean, but you've got like uh, Tempo Storm. You've got all these, you know, tournament groups. They tend to always put out their own tier list that their players all kind of, you know, agreed on. And that's the other thing, too. Not not diminishing Swim, who's a great player and and, you know, very experienced. Uh, you know, but I mean, this is kind of largely representing his experience and his opinions on things uh, informed by other people's feedback. Um, so, you know, I mean, tier lists are always partially subjective. It's subjectivity grounded in experience. And so I think that tier lists are very useful to get an broad understanding of what is performing well and what is not performing well. But as somebody who has made a career well, I guess I can't really say. Well, no, I did make has made a semi career uh, out of experimenting off meta and off meta being used against meta. You just it is a resource. It is not law. And for somebody new to card games, I would very much remind them that a tier list does not represent the entirety of the game. It does not represent all levels and difficulties of the game you know so the different ranks uh and more importantly it can tend to be limiting to people's imaginations creativity um and in fact limit their ability to deviate and in, and discover new combos so i i am not diminishing tier lists they're important and useful tools and but they're tools they're not um it's not a dissertation on reality that that is there you go guys there don't look at tier list but not too much yep that's actually a way more succinct way to put it look at tier list but not too much yeah so check out what swim's putting out there because i think it is valuable i think that it's helpful if you're kind of like i don't really know what's good i don't really know what i should be crafting i'm a little confused by all of these cards it's overwhelming I went to his list and pulled a couple of lists that are good that may not be today rated as tier one, but tomorrow maybe. And um, I'm definitely going to be checking out because I want to play a spider's list. So I'm going to be checking out one of the spider's <laughs> lists for sure. 
Um, but I think it's worth checking out. So check out Swim and check out the tier list. I'm sure we'll be revisiting a couple of different tier lists for this game as they begin to get published and begin to get put out there. We'll review the meta. It's got to settle a little bit. And it's honestly, it's going to take a couple of weeks for people to actually build a big enough collection that they can play multiple things and discover the things that we discovered. We may not have a solid tier list for beta for the first couple of months because people just haven't been able to craft all the cards and the things that they thought weren't good, they end up being really good. We have no no real way of knowing that yet because they haven't been able to craft those cards that aren't good because they're crafting the cards they think will be good. So we'll see uh, what's going to come out of it. But for now, that's where I've been going to kind of get updates is going over to Swim's website and seeing what's out there. So definitely. Yeah. And, and I think it's some of the some of the champions are safe to craft. We're not going to go over a crafting guide or anything. Oh, anytime soon. Lord, no. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, that's where we're going to look at meta stuff. That's what we've been playing. This is our first episode of season two for uh Legends of Runeterra for Legends cast focusing on Legends of Runeterra. We should be having some guests on the show coming up and we will announce what those are. If you want to get connected to the show, um head on over to our Discord. Just look up Legends Cast Discord and you can find it. I'll try to remember to add an invite into the show notes as well. Um, DBN, how can people find what you're putting out there and what you're doing? Yeah, pretty much right now I'm just doing the YouTubes. Um, although in I intend to put some uh, Legends of Runeterra content up there soon, but uh, this week's been very, very busy. I, I for those who are new to the um, the podcast, I just got a new job, uh, big change in schedule. Um, got some other personal stuff, all good, but uh, personal stuff going on, making life busier. Uh, and so really, uh, the YouTube is, is I'm still putting out videos, but, um, it might be another, you know, couple days to a week before I start getting back in the swing of regularly putting out content and considering legends of Runeterra and how much I like it. I will likely be reevaluating my content production, uh, schedule just to reflect wanting to put out content for this awesome game and reevaluating some of the other games I have been putting out content for to see if it's still worth doing. Hopefully that doesn't disappoint anyone. Uh, but considering I'm a fairly small YouTuber, uh, I'm not too worried about it. But that's the Dead Broke Nerd on YouTube. You can also check me out on Twitter if you just want to see what I have to say about games and stuff. Uh, or if you want to DM me and ask me some questions, you can do that there too. But I would really recommend Discord for that. I am uh, much more likely to be able to respond at length uh, on Discord. I usually check it most nights. Um, and definitely join our Discord channel. I'm sure uh, Mark's going to throw a plug in for that too. But it's a very awesome community. And for those of you who just knew, uh, we've worked really hard to cultivate a Discord community that is uh, supporting um, and supportive. Uh, of both the game and the individuals and um you know everyone's different you know lifestyles and trying to come up with this you know a, a community where people feel safe to both express opinions about their games and the games they like to play uh the decks they play and even if they're a, whether they're a competitive player or a casual player or a memer or whatever um they don't feel uh, attacked or threatened or anything uh and so we are really proud of that uh, and we want to welcome you guys to it too um so you guys can hopefully enjoy it and like i said the best way if you want to ask my opinion on something uh would be to dm me on discord um so if you want to directly get in contact with me uh talk about card games you can do that 
through Discord is the best way to do it. And there's probably more interesting people than me uh, in our channel and people that have a little more time than me to chat. Um, so there's some awesome people. Come in, get to know them. It's great. Uh, I love those guys. So hopefully you will too. Yeah, I'll say this. Our Discord's awesome. So definitely find me there. I do stream a very small amount right now uh, as I'm in my master's program. I have two daughters and I'm married and I work full time. So occasionally I'll just jump on just to have fun and hang out with a few people. And that's usually how many I'm hanging out with one or two people. So if you want to, you can follow me. I am twitch.tv slash the lift. That is a T-H-E-L-I-F-T. The lift. Um, you can find me over there on the Twitch TV thing and, and follow me there. Um, on top of that, the other thing I'll say is I'm working on our Patreon page, getting it back up. I'm struggling to figure out how to do that. So I'm not really sure if it's back up by the time this episode drops. But if you're listening to this anytime in the future, you can visit us at patreon.com slash legendscast and you can become a supporter of the show. Um, there's not a ton of benefits to it other than to give value to something that you see valuable. Um, DBN and I ain't going to get rich over this, but it is helpful. Uh -uh. Any money that you can put towards it with their, like software and hardware is just expensive. And so um, even just like upgrading audio software so that we can improve the show um, is not easy. And so if you want to throw some value, we don't have any patrons at the time of recording this because we dropped them all before we got to season two because we didn't want anybody feeling obligated to give us money for content that they weren't going to consume. But we're going to relaunch that Patreon page, so you can check that out. The other thing is, outside of this, I'm a pastor. My honest goodness, my heart, the reason I got into podcasting and content creation was just to offer an opportunity to, for, to listen to people and support people, to be a light in an otherwise dark world. We know the internet can be a dark place. If you're in a bad place, if you're depressed, if you're, you know, feeling down, whatever it is, you have something going on bad in your life and you need someone just to listen to you or to pray for you, please, please, please reach out to me. You are not alone. And I want you to know that. Usually at the end of these episodes, I have some final thoughts, which is a little bit of words for living. But here's my really final thoughts. Sometimes in life, there's things that are more important. And right now, my almost three-year-old has a fever and my four-month-old won't sleep and my wife's upstairs dealing with both of them. Sometimes you have to see the things that you love and do something you don't want to do because it's the right thing to do. So whatever you're doing in life right now, there's going to be things that you can do that you want to do and there's going to be things in life that you don't want to do, but you just need to do them. Don't be a coward. Don't back down from those things. Jump into those things and get them done. The world of successful people is full of folks who did things that they didn't always want to do, but they just got it done. So that's my encouragement to you. If there's something knocking on your door, you got to fill out that job application. Maybe you got to, uh, you got to switch positions. Maybe you got to have that difficult relationship conversation, whatever that may be. Um, there's something nagging at you, man. You got to fill out that paperwork. You got to, whatever it is, that's that thing that you don't want to do, but you know you need to do it. Put away the things that are fun for a little while and get to life. Get to life and get it done um, because you'll feel much better about yourself whenever you're done with that and your life can move forward. That's my final thought. DBN, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, last final thought. So that means your final thought wasn't the final thought. Yes. Got him! Double final uh, thought. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, my final thought is if you have ideas for segments in the show or concepts or anything like that or that questions. you think would be really fun, questions for us uh, or about the game that we can try to answer, um, anything like that, 100% let us know. I am somebody who I, whenever I listen to podcasts, I love hearing different creative segments. Uh, and this is something that I am happy to crowdsource for. Uh, so if you guys have a fun segment, uh, especially, you know, Legends of Ruterra or card game related uh, that you think could be fun for us to do on the show, definitely let us know. And of course, uh, if we do end up doing it, we will credit you with the idea. But that is something that you can put into our Discord page. I think we have a segment dedicated to um, Q&A yeah, or something pod, like podcast, podcast Q&A. Q &A. Yep. But that also encompasses ideas or recommendations. So 100% feel free to post in there and give us some cool ideas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, jump over there and do that. That's going to wrap it up for Season 2, Episode 1 of Legends Cast. Thanks so much for joining us and be sure to come back next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you want to become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.